Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that presents two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Nicole Chung, editor, essayist, and national best-selling author of her memoir, All You Can Ever Know, which was named a Best Book of the Year by nearly two dozen outlets. Nicole is joined by Taylor Harris, whose work has appeared in countless publications, and who is the author of a memoir, This Boy We Made. These good friends delve into their approach to creative nonfiction, the emotional layers of parenting, and the mental health benefits of puppies and cheeseburgers. Inspiration starts now. Hi, Taylor. Hey, Nikki. It's so good to see your face. It's always good to see your face. It's always good to see yours. Have you gotten um, a haircut in the pandemic? Because your hair just always looks fabulous. And I can't tell if it keeps growing or if you got you got a cut. Oh my gosh, thank you. Uh, I've had like exactly one professional haircut the entire <laughs> pandemic. And it was fairly recently. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> it's working for you. Thank I love it. Thank you. Um, well, it's lovely to see you, and I, I sort of like to start our conversation, if you wouldn't mind, by sharing how we met, because it's like my favorite story, seriously, should be its own yeah. book, um, and I feel as though last time we spoke, I told it, so I thought it would be great if you wanted to tell it this time, okay. um, and I can always editorialize, you know, if I disagree with something. Yeah, well, I can't even like blame it on having kids, because now I go to the bathroom even more like when we go on car trips and like I can't like stop drinking coffee and water in order to live and so we stop like every 10 minutes um, between me and the kids and poor Paul anyway but you and I met because we were at a writing conference where we both went to uh, grad school and um, our friend and instructor Kathy Alter was like we were standing in line at the bathroom and I don't know if she spoke to you or me first but she was like you guys have to know each other and usually when someone says that I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like pretty choosy about my friends. And so I don't always trust those connections right away. Um, but like, we were nice enough and said hi. And then I remember sitting in a session with you later that day. And we had to say something about ourselves. And I said, I wrote the Big Mom on Campus column for McSweeney's. And you were like, what? That's you? I love Big Mom. <laughs> and I was like, no one reads that but Paul because he has to and my husband and that is so nice and I love you. Um, and I feel like you remember more about like the first year or so after. You said that we like kept each other accountable somehow. Yeah, that's right. So I think you skipped the part where I stopped you on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and like I think I added you probably the day of that conference. Oh. Like Taylor, my new like best writing friend. Um, no, you were hilarious during that conference. Like I enjoyed sitting next to you because I don't know, it wasn't like we were passing notes during the session or yeah. something, but like everything you said was so sharp and funny. Um, forever grateful to Kathy for introducing yeah. us in the bathroom. And I often think what would have happened if like, yeah, there were a lot of people there that day, if our bladders had not That's synced right. up. You know, it was definitely fate yes, and yes. also our very small bladders. Um, <laughs> but no, so we started chatting a little bit on Facebook. Um, and then, I mean, a few things happened. Um, at the time I was editing for The Toast and mm. I think I was like, maybe you'd like to write for us. That would be fun. And, and we talked so often about writing and trying to squeeze it in in the margins, yeah. like around children and different things that um, I don't know actually who suggested it. But um, we started this little, like, accountability, like, chat, whatever you want to call it. Nikki, where... that was you. If, if it was, was it accountability, me? it was you. 
Okay. I don't even know if that's what I called it, but that's how I thought of it in my head. So you're right that it might have been me. I was like, look, we can check in like once a week. We can say like what we're trying to get done writing wise. Um, We don't have to like share pages or give feedback unless we want to. The main thing is like, it's someone else kind of, I don't want to say giving you a deadline, Mm. but like literally I, I knew I'd be talking to you like Friday. I wanted to have something to say. And I think the the flip side of this was that you were so understanding during weeks when I got nothing done that it was the perfect balance of like pressure uh, to to have something to share. But also like I knew you weren't going to make fun of me or yell at me if I hadn't gotten anything done, which is frequently the case. Um, So that's what we did. I think we did it for like a couple of years, really. So yeah. I love that you remember that part. I was probably so like anxious about checking in about my work because I'm still that way that I it probably like went to a different place in my memory um and I think from there like I just remember you being like a rock star one of the first time like you had a lot of followers on social media and I remember being like I thought I had the best idea in the world I was like Nikki you know what you should do teach a class on social media and like, <laughs> I, okay, so I don't remember this part. <laughs> I thought that was like the best idea and that that would make you a millionaire. <laughs> what did I say? You were just probably like, no, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't, because I think I suggested that our grad program hire you to teach. And you were like, yeah, I don't know if they would like, like have me do that or not. So that's but so, I think you were just being nice. That's so interesting because I mean, when I talk to writers now, um, I don't know. Some a lot of writers, I think, justifiably think that social media is kind of a distraction mm. from the work, and it, that's because it is. Yeah. Um. But and and there are a lot of terrible things about it, obviously, <laughs> um, which we don't have to discuss here. But I I do think that at least, especially at that stage of my career, um, it had been really useful to me, and it had yeah. been also a place where I found community of a of a sort. Um. But yeah, that's so interesting that you remember that I definitely don't remember that I can't imagine teaching a class on social media but um but I am asked a lot by writers like what sort of platform do I need and like should I even be there and it's a hard thing to like recommend um but you know of course it's been useful at times yeah um I wanted to ask you a little bit about um just like how you became a writer how you started writing because um like Oddly enough, I don't think we've talked a lot about it in our many, many conversations. At least if we have, I don't remember. Yeah. So, like, where did it all start for you and why? Um, I like to start in first grade. I can't remember if I've told you this at all, but we had these, like, wallpaper books in my elementary school. Like, you know, we were born around the same time. So what? This was, like, 89-ish. I don't know. Um, and so I guess people just had, like, a lot of wallpaper scraps like laying around and then they put that like brown sort of thin paper in between them with lines um and that was like a big deal at my school and so I would just like get extra time to write in my journal and to write these wallpaper books and I think like even then I was sort of writing memoir like I remember my mom had some sort of surgery that I didn't quite understand um, and she had to stay in the hospital for a few days. And like, I wrote a book about like, uh, my poor mom, she's in the hospital, but like a relative picked me up and we got to go to McDonald's <laughs> and I still think I have that book somewhere. And that's still sort of like the arc of like most of my personal essays, like, but there were fries. Um, <laughs> 
And so I think that's where I started. And then from there, like, I can remember in high school, some teachers like made us um, submit to personal essay contest, which I like dreaded, but then I won one and I uh, was pretty, pretty hyped about that. And then in college, you know, I just took like a lot of my, my major was American studies. And so I just took all these classes where I didn't have to um, do a lot of like a lot of multiple choice tests or stuff. I just wrote papers. And I just remember thinking like, huh, Same. like, looking through like microfiche at the library and like writing a paper isn't as bad as like the anxiety I get from having to take a test. Um, so this isn't so bad. And then I got married and Paul um, somehow like Googled his way into finding the Hopkins program. And he was like, have you heard of creative nonfiction? And I was like, I don't think that's a thing. And then mm -hmm. it was, and <laughs> I loved that program. Cause it's what I, uh, I'm going to back up for a second in my senior year of high school, I was paired with a local author because I told her I wanted to be a writer. And I tried to write a novel based very strongly on my life, <laughs> like using my middle name as the character. And like, it was terrible, but also like she told me it was terrible, um, which really like said to me like, oh, you thought you were good at this thing. You're not, you should not do this. And so actually wait, like- Wait, wait, so like, sorry. <laughs> So, like, in so many words, she said this is terrible to, like, a high school student? Let me tell you what she said exactly. She said, I thought you wanted to be a writer. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, like 39-year-old me, I, like, shrivel up inside. But can you imagine, like, what was I, 17? Okay, 18? how how do you still have a, a career? Because I would have expired. <laughs> And like, I don't even, I don't know. You know, she was like a friend of a parent of a friend. Like, I have no idea if she was even an author. Like, um, I have no idea what she did. And I haven't talked to her since. But I mean, like, who feels ridiculous now? I just want to say. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, maybe she was like Elon Musk's mother. Like, you know, like, maybe she's like rich. And like, I have no idea where she is. So that's fine. You know, I'm just thankful that this creative nonfiction exists because, like, I know you can write both and we can talk more about that, but I don't think I'm much of, like, a fiction writer. Come on, we can talk more I, about that. No, 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 no. When you when you mentioned writing, like, a terrible novel, um, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't believe it could have been terrible. I just don't think you could write something okay. terrible. One of my middle um, names is Dara, and the protagonist's name was Dara, and she... It's a it's a nice name. It's a nice name, Taylor. <laughs> I guess I'm also just saying, compared to the work of other seventeen year olds, okay, okay. you got to adjust the curve a little mm -hmm. bit for age and experience. I'm sure it was it was good, um, but no, I um, I I just remember thinking, wow, I've been there. So I wrote like mostly fiction and bad poetry growing up. Um, it's funny, like I hadn't thought about this in years, but when you mentioned your first experience, like writing memoir or essays, like as a kid. Um, like we had like this end of the year memory book that my second grade teacher had us write where we wrote entries throughout the year about like experiences we were having, field trips we were taking, concerts we were doing. And then at the end, she compiled it all, like typed it up in a book um, and like, you know, gave it to us. And so I had this, first of all, I had a solo, even though I was very, very shy and terrified. Uh, we had, she, she did a Women's History Month musical review. What? 
Uh, and I, I know it's amazing. Uh, she was my introduction to feminism <laughs> in second grade. Um, but I was Sally Ride, and I had this song that I sang, just like Sally Ride. It was the name of the song. And for my essay that year, I decided to like, I didn't want to just write about like, we had a concert and I had a solo and it was scary but fun. For some reason, I had this idea to like take the reader inside my mind <gasps> and like tell them exactly how I felt and like what I was thinking yeah. and like how I was trying to breathe to calm myself and Aww. like, you know, what I thought when I looked out at all the faces and how I worried I was going to faint. Like it was like super oh, zoomed in. I love it. And, um, and I also thought it was kind of funny. Like I was trying to make people laugh at me, <laughs> but it was also something true. Like it was vulnerable and how scared yeah. I was. And I really enjoyed writing this. It was probably, now that I think about it, one of the very few pieces of like nonfiction that I wrote. Um, but I was like, oh, like I kind of like this. And then I didn't think about creative nonfiction until like college. Um, I was taking a class and it was actually like intro to fiction and poetry. Um, but we were assigned one a singular essay, like a personal essay. I was like, oh, I have to write about myself. And um, I can't even remember what all I wrote about, but I remember my professor being like, have you thought about doing this? I think you could <gasps> maybe like do this. And I was like, Whoa. no, thank you. I'm a history major. Like I'm not going to be a writer. This is just for fun. Um, I'm going to be like a history professor <laughs> and kind of just went on about my life. But, you know, little like seeds, I guess, planted here and there. Um, yeah. And I only started writing creative nonfiction kind of um, seriously in my like mid to late 20s because I joined this tiny writing group in Durham, North Carolina, where we were living at the oh. time. And there were only like four other people in the group. Everybody but me was writing memoir and I could not figure it out. Um, but I loved what they were doing. Even when they wrote yeah. about like making scrambled eggs with their mom, I was like, that is such a good story. Like it was just, <laughs> it was the way it was like something about it just reached in and like grabbed my heart. Mm when they read their work and I thought, well, maybe I can try this and see. So it was a little bit of peer pressure because nobody else in the group was actually doing fiction. Um, and I ended up really liking it, but it was still several years before I like yeah. published anything. I'm very slow. Um, you are not, you no. are, no, it just Listen, takes me time. <laughs> it takes me time too. But, um, so in the program in grad school, did you, you focused on nonfiction, right? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. I took like a couple of fiction classes, but I actually didn't have to write. I just had to read fiction. Okay. Um, well, that sounds so fun. It was a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that I, you mentioned it, I think I have heard the wallpaper book story, but I was glad to get the whole like expanded version this time of like your, your writer origin story. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about, I was thinking it might be kind of fun to, to talk about how we got to work together, uh, only if you want to. Um, like through your column. Yeah, we could do that. But can we then follow up with our dog story? Oh, because yeah. Because I also think that is like, um, you know, like that really shows like who we are as people. It's it's very much dogs and um, like cheeseburgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like IEP <laughs> meetings and yeah, yeah. Oh, ice cream. but sorry, really quick. I. I think I might have known but forgot you studied history, which just makes me happy because I was American studies, mm -hmm. and I just feel like we had the same thoughts. Like, I don't know if you planned to – well, yeah, you said you planned to be a professor. Everyone told me I should go to grad school, and, like, I thought I'd be in academia. And actually, 
Paul, my husband, didn't think that's what he would do. Um, and I think, like, once I saw him go through that PhD process, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> okay, see, I didn't even know about this spooky parallel in our lives, but my husband was in, he went into a PhD program in the sciences um, pretty soon after we got married. And at the time, I was still, like, I mean, I went so far as to keep in touch with my professors and reach out to other ones and think about, like, you know, what I would focus on and where I would apply. But, you know, mm -hmm. and even though uh, my husband was in a very different sort of a program and that wouldn't have been my path at all, I mean, I knew what the academic job market was like, kind of. Um, and I knew it would be mm -hmm. six to eight years and no guarantee of a job after mm -hmm. and my dad's health was declining. We were already broke. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't see how... It, there's just a, a lot of things. Um, the main thing being I wasn't sure the longer I stayed out if I could see myself in that kind of life anymore. But like if I'm honest, yeah. I have these moments of regret where I wonder is that what I could have done, should have done. It's not that I'm not hmm. like happy and grateful for the career I have, but I think like a lot of writers, I actually can see myself doing other things. Like I think I could have been happy yeah. doing like any number of things. Um so I don't know. It's like, it's just one of those like, you know, roads not taken that I think about in my life. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth. I feel like that should be our next podcast. Like, um, not that this is like our podcast, but like, let's say we have okay. one for like a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> like if we, we just had like one show and then canceled it. Um, it would be on like other jobs we could see ourselves doing. I'd really yeah. enjoy that. We should tell the dog story though, since you brought it up, because our dogs are our dogs are cousins. Um, <laughs> we we got them on the same day, right? Which I yeah. think is really funny. Like I you we I was planning to get a dog. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about your plans. <laughs> I my well my, my mother had passed away recently, as you know, and uh, it had been a few months and I was just like, everyone is so depressed. Like we need we need a win, essentially. Mm. And I knew it wasn't going to solve anything, of course. It was just like, it was like the first pandemic winter we were heading into. We were seeing no one. Um, it was like at that stage of the pandemic where you pretty much mostly saw no one. Um, yeah. And so I think I did try to tell myself, I'm doing this for the kids. But like, of course, of course, a lot of it was me. So we, we got Peggy, our golden retriever puppy, and I texted you a picture, maybe from the car, <laughs> and you were like, Nikki, guess where I am? <laughs> so where were you? Well, I don't quite know, but we, um, so my oldest daughter had been asking for a dog forever, and I mean, Paul and I were just like, no, 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 <laughs> like I would say like, maybe when you're 16, or like maybe when you're 18, and you go off, like if you go to college, you can have a little apartment or something and have one, um, so we, we'd been pretty serious about our nose, and then the pandemic happened, and then Paul, who was like trained as a counselor, like starts like really feeling like their mental health, the kids might benefit from, from a dog. Um, and so for me, like once you mention that this thing could happen, I'm all over the internet. So it's, it's like, it, it's, it's really like that with anything. Like if the kids um, like need new shoes, I'm like, oh, I'm on it. But so like, once you give me just like a little bit of a greenish yellow light, it's over. So then I start like, <laughs> <laughs> like we are the same we are the same really mm -hmm. so like I just found um somebody who was um selling golden doodles I didn't know much about them um and so we drove like three or four hours to this 
place and the woman was so nice but definitely it's not the kind of place you want to drive like as a black family at night like like bigger trump flags and like posters than i've ever seen sort of like people had their whole roofs covered with trump signs and that was new to me um wow i did not know people did that I mean, yeah, I don't even know. Like, how do you like? Who does? Is it like a local? Do you guy? do you Google <laughs> like, like? I'd like a roof flag. <laughs> like, you know what? You know what our house needs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, well, I can tell this roof was redone in 2016. Like, <laughs> um. So anyway, she was so nice though, and we were just visiting, but we had driven four hours, and like we knew it would be a lot to come back, and she was like, actually, like. They just got their shots, whatever it is, like six weeks. Like, Mm -hmm. do you want them? And we had no, like, cage or anything. We just sort of, like, stuck them in the back of the van um, and stopped at the dollar store and got, like, a rug and Casey peed. And um, we took them home. And I was like, Nikki, guess what? Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really, really funny. Um, Oh, and his name is Bean. And Nikki's dog, Nikki, how much does Peggy weigh? She's, like, 70 pounds now. Yeah, same. Bean is like 60 to 70. Yeah, but still yeah. like, uh, she's like a 70 pound puppy. Like, does yes. not register that she's as big as she is and is still like super bouncy. So, mm-hmm. it's quite a lot. Um, no, but what would crack me up too is that we have like a stuffed black dog toy that I would like <laughs> give to Peggy sometimes that she would either shake or cuddle with. And so when she was cuddling and it was very cute, I would take a picture and send it to you like, look, it's Peggy and Bean. Um, yes. So, anyway. And we had the same. We had the same. We had a little Peggy that he liked. It was wow. super sweet. Well, they'll meet someday. That'll be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious. Wait, sorry. I interrupted oh. with dog stories. You were talking about how we work together. I mean, nothing is actually as important as the dog stories. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say like I, I had so much fun getting to edit your column for Catapult Ooh. Magazine, which like really kind of was the foundation, I guess, if you think that's fair to say, of like of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I actually really miss editing. And I um, I knew from like the first time I worked on one of your pieces, even back at the Toast, I'm like, this girl has a book. Like this is a Aww. book. It is an entire book. And I was so happy to, to get the chance to work together on the column and then see that grow. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit just about like the genesis of this particular book, um, because I feel as though you've been telling this story almost as long as we've known each other. Yeah. Yeah. So my book, um, it's mostly about raising a son who has like an undiagnosed medical condition, which is a weird thing to say because a condition sounds like it should be diagnosed, like it's a codified thing. Um, And basically, we think he's got some different things going on and aren't quite sure what. Um, And so it was cool that sometimes I'm nervous about having like, like friends who are editors, editors who are friends, who are mom friends. Like, I feel like we had all these things overlap, but it, it really worked. And I think that speaks a lot to like who you are as a person and an editor that I never felt like threatened and I always felt like your suggestions um, like were going to make me better. And so um, I'm thankful that I got to write that column because it sort of helped me. I can't remember exactly how many installations there were, but it just sort of helped me map it out. Sort of like, wait, is there a book here? Could there be a book here? Are there enough aspects um, of it? Is it deep enough to write about in book length? And I feel like the column... Um, what genes can't tell us really helped me um, 
map that out. And then I think, as I've said, you know, when we've talked before, just sort of like your kind, but like persistent voice being like, have you thought about a book, Taylor? <laughs> like that would be like my Nikki, like build a bear. Like you push the button oh my and it's gosh. like, is it book time, Taylor? Um, and that was okay. Like, really I have helpful. to say, like that—that's like that's kind of insufferable of me, actually. Like no. I know, I know what it is to write a book. That's like a lot of pressure. No, but it um, wasn't like I don't mean persistent. Like you just popped up every day, but sort of like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> I need that person in my life who was kind and gracious and gentle and is like, hey, just say the word. If you don't want to write a book, I'll never bring it up again, which I feel is like how you were. But you'd ask and I'd sort of be like, huh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I can do it. Um, and then obviously you publishing all you can ever know. Like, I mean, you sort of have the superstar trajectory. So it's not fair to say like, once you did it, I believed I could. But it's 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 honestly helpful to see someone you know well go through that process. Like I'll never forget you sitting across from um, Trevor Noah. I <laughs> no, mean, I won't forget that either. <laughs> <laughs> and that so was... it's not like it's not like my my experience maps directly onto yours. But it's sort of like okay, like Nikki's doing this thing. I get to watch her, and then she like helps me. Like you being one of the early readers for my book. Um, someone who knows me it was just I don't know it's just great like do I want to write another another book ever again maybe too soon to tell but I'm so glad you were there for (laughs) it that's fair um I mean thank you for saying all of that obviously like I think it's important to give a huge shout out to Julie Button our yes our shared editor the best editor um and I have to say like I uh I really felt like as I was working on your column with you I was like um, it would just, I, I always know the benefit of, of working with multiple editors on like mm. the same material because you get those different perspectives. And it, it was partly because I had just finished working with Julie, but, and I knew her to be like so brilliant and sensitive, mm. um, and thoughtful. Uh, but yeah, that was a very easy sort of <laughs> connection to make. It felt like a no brainer to me. I just knew, I just felt like she'd be very, very good for the work that you wanted to do. Um, yes. I think it's interesting too. You mentioned early readers um, because, like, I don't know. I I kind of go back and forth between wanting people I know well to be early readers and wanting mm. like more like professional connections who don't necessarily have like the emotional investment. Um, and I've I've lately started to really appreciate the benefit of of like close early readers um, as like the first line for the book I'm working on now. Um, I think it'll be, it's been and will be helpful just because like a close friend, a good friend really knows like um, the context. And so like in a not pressuring way, hopefully, but like an honest, just informed way, like they can read your story and also read between, like they can, they can read in the spaces and they can see what you're not saying. And I've had some friends be like, this isn't like on the page, but like, I remember, you know, you oh, saying something yeah. like this and like, have you thought about whether that should be here? And they weren't like, you left this out. <laughs> like, why did you do that? But it was just like really helpful because there are things that you like just don't fit in a book sometimes yeah. and that's the way it goes. Um, but I don't know, like it's felt, and and for my first book too, honestly, like early readers, especially ones who knew me or who I talked to a lot about the story about growing up adopted and like searching for my birth family and becoming a parent. Like I, I just found those comments like so helpful. Um, 
ask. So, yeah. yeah. How do you like to, like, revise or, like, incorporate feedback as you revise? I'm sorry. What does it mean to revise? No, I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> Are you saying you don't revise? I mean, I do. But, Nikki, come on. Like, I'm, like... The only thing worse than drafting is revising. Oh um, my god, I feel like the exact opposite. Oh, like, Nikki. Drafting is hard. Drafting is hard and you're just trying to get the ideas down sometimes. I feel like the yeah. revising is where it, it actually gets somewhat good and where I start to not hate it. That's just me, you know, but I I realized like, oh god, this is the part I like, the attention to detail and like no, obsessing over one word at a time. Whereas at least at least with both of my books, I don't know if it's like this so much with shorter pieces, but with both the books so far, like it has been hard to get the draft down. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. And it's it's not even like the revision maybe was wildly different from the draft. Although I did have a major restructure with all you can ever know. It, it's more like um I don't know, just like the fine tuning, I actually really like that. And that is where I start to think like Maybe it's a real book that other yeah. people won't hate. <laughs> but No, that's fair. That's fair. So I, I feel like almost every sentence I say starts with, because of my anxiety, but in some sense, that is, like, when that email comes in with revisions, I'm like, okay. Like, it, I, I feel it in my body, and I have to go through a process of, like, I don't know if it makes sense, but sometimes I just want to, like, cover my eyes. Like, like let's say there's track changes. I just want to cover my eyes and accept all really fast. Um, and being so edited, for me, huh? yeah, being edited is, is sort of different too. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, it's part of revision. Um, but like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's like, I, I hear, I just wanted to validate what you're saying that it can be so anxiety producing to see like those notes in the margins, which is something I think about a lot as an editor too. Um, yeah. but, but I do enjoy the part, I guess maybe slightly after that where you're like, okay, like I've incorporated that and I'm, I don't know, accepted what I'm going to accept. And now yeah. I'm. I'm really like the revision you do for yourself to make it more the book you feel it needs to be. Um, I no, do like that's that part. totally fair. That's fair. And I like having done it, I guess, like when you can really see like, it doesn't matter what, you know, like if this part is, is a reader's favorite part, like I like this is this definitely reads better to me. It makes more sense. It's clearer. It's more, you know, for me, sometimes it's like, oh, it's more lyrical without being too like, you know garbled um <laughs> so I do like playing with it um in that way I did want to ask you I feel like we talked recently or you posted something about like oh maybe in your newsletter for the Atlantic about um like just letting yourself draft like is that that's something you've had to um like learn to do I would have assumed you just always did that because I just I always think Nikki has the answer but can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that uh, I have this terrible habit, probably mostly formed from being an editor, where I would start to draft something, let's say it's an essay, like not even a book chapter, just like a short piece. And mm -hmm. I would like, after writing a couple paragraphs, I'd be like, yeah, I'm making progress. And I would go mm -hmm. back and I would start revising or editing those comp those paragraphs. Yes. And I'm like, but the piece doesn't exist yet. And I might <laughs> not know where it's going, or yes. I might not know I can end it. So I, I caught myself doing this so many times trying to revise while drafting. So now I've had to like completely separate the processes where um, even if I only separate it by a couple hours, like I draft in the mm. morning, I revise in the afternoon. What I prefer if I have the time is I draft one day, I revise another day. Um, but sometimes I like the deadlines, I don't have that much time. Um, but yeah, I have had to completely separate those processes and like 
of course, like if I catch a little thing as I'm drafting, I'll let myself change it. But I don't let my brain go into editor mode uh, where I'm scrutinizing every word and every mm-hmm. sentence and um, thinking it has to be perfect before I can go on. Uh, so it really does help that, um, you know, I think that I've separated those things. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good reminder to me because I feel like, I think that's one of those things as long as I write, I'm going to need a reminder. Like I know it in my head, but hearing that you have to consciously do that too is helpful for me, you know, because I do, I write like one paragraph, two paragraphs and I'm like, guys, like it's real, like my brain is like reward time, you know? We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be packing for a metaphorical trip to a desert island. I want to point this out for a second because we're both avid readers. Always Authors is sponsored by a free online service called Bookfinity. It's easy to use. You go to bookfinity.com and set up a free account by taking a brief quiz that identifies the kind of books you like to read the most. Then Bookfinity matches you to those kinds of books, helping you learn about books you don't know yet. You can give a thumbs up or down to the books they suggest, so each time you visit the site, the recommendations become more refined. It can really help you curate your own personal library. So I'm going to check out bookfinity.com and see what new books they help me discover. Every episode of Always Authors spotlights an independent bookstore. Today we're giving a shout out to East End Books, a full-service bookstore in beautiful Provincetown, Massachusetts. A lovingly curated collection of books in print, ebooks, audiobooks, vinyl albums, and more. If you're on the east end of Cape Cod, be sure to check them out. Is this metaphorical island like actually a hotel bed? <laughs> like Is there is there like free babysitting? Right, or breakfast? Like, <laughs> if so, yes, I love I love a good free breakfast. Um okay, so we were we are supposed to come up with some books to recommend to each other mm-hmm. for for a desert island. Uh, I had a really hard time, which won't surprise you, and I spent a lot of time being like, has she read this? She's probably <laughs> already read it. Um, I also feel like I've been like throwing books at you like the whole time that we've known each other, and you've been doing the same for me, so I don't know. I love but that. I always look you... to see what you're reading. Oh, that's that. thank you so much. Um, I I don't know. It's it's really fun for me to get to share other people's books, actually, and not feel self-conscious about it the way I do when I talk about mine. <laughs> So, um, do you want to like just trade off recommendations? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Well, I wanted to send you with at least one good collection of poetry. Uh, So, I went with Lucille Clifton's collected poems. Yes. It's huge. Huge. So, like, also, you know, if you need to defend yourself, could be, like, handy. And um, it's beautiful. She's, like, just one of my absolute all-time faves. Um, And every time I go back to her work, like, I find something new. So I figured that you would love it. So that's my first. And there's one about, like, the tide that you share, right? A poem about? Blessing the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really really lovely, and I think of that um, that poem every time I think about my grandma because mm. she was an avid fisherwoman who took me out on her boat a lot when oh. I was growing up in Oregon, and we weren't able to actually have a funeral for her because she died in April 2020. But if we'd been able to, that's the poem that I yeah. would have read. It's like really beautiful. So, mm. but I love Lucille. She's amazing. Um, I don't know. Anyway. Well, and I knew you like poetry and you actually like pushed me to like read it without 
you know, I sort of fell into that trap of like, but what does the poem really mean? And feeling like I couldn't figure it out. So like I've tried as I've gotten older to just kind of like let that go. And I haven't read this yet, but I love um, her poem called The Hurting Kind by Ada Limone. And you might have a an arc, but I don't. And her book comes out next week. So I'm like putting a lot of faith <laughs> in the fact that this is a book I know that you would love and because I can't wait to read it and get my hands on it. So I love that. And I will just share, first of all, I've gotten to see Ada Limon read um, at a at like an awards ceremony. Uh, and it was, she was amazing. And I was so starstruck as I always am around poets because I'm like, literally, yes. how do you exist? How do you do what you do? Like, please yes. teach me. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's okay to share this, but I actually got to interview her for my newsletter. Like that's coming up really soon. <gasps> and I am so excited about the hurting kind. Cause I do have all her books. Um, and she's one of my very, very favorite, like living poets. So that's like a perfect recommendation. I love that. Um, I feel like I got a point. Okay, go ahead. That's okay. Um, (laughs) So my second recommendation, and you might have already read it. I know many people have, but uh, it's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Um, No. Okay, well, it's beautiful. Uh, You know, so intergenerational, like Korean saga. Um, You've -hmm. probably heard or read things about it. And I picked it because I wanted to send you with like at least one really long, meaty book that you could like fall into. It's very immersive. Um, and like read and reread and again like always find something new in but like it's impossible I feel to get bored reading Pachinko it like takes on multiple generations like there's so many different issues and themes and characters um like it it really is just like a beautiful saga and it could be something that you could get lost in you know I I read it on vacation not on a desert island but um it I don't know it was just like I really think it's one of those books that is wonderful to like revisit as well. And if you've only got three books, you want one, at least one that you're going to read and reread. <laughs> okay, Nikki, wait, sorry. So I feel like this, so this is like a virtual thing, right? Like I think I missed like the first syllable when you said the, t- oh, the title. No. So I was like, no, I haven't. Okay. I read that okay. and I love it. Okay. I think I read it this summer and I think I told you we were going to like have a virtual party and watch like. It's on Netflix now, right? Or is uh, it HBO Max? Is it, uh, uh, it's Apple TV. It's Apple okay, TV. Okay, okay. I'm like, which streaming service? Which one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I didn't want to okay, pay for, but, uh, but still pay for. You get a point for that because I loved okay. that book. I am so glad. So, um, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And I thought I worried maybe you'd already read it because many people have. But I wanted to, like, pick at least one saga to send with you. Thank you. Um. Okay, so you've probably read this, but I have My Monticello by Jocelyn Nicole Johnson. Uh, What are you, I can read your face. No, I haven't read it, but I really, really want to. (gasps) I've actually bought a copy, but like it's in my, you know, giant TBR that I'm embarrassed of. So, but I. No, 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 I am too. But listen, I, because I love you so much, Nikki, I was going to give you, I saw Jocelyn in Charlottesville recently and she used to teach toast and I have this like autograph version when she drew this little face. Oh my gosh. Um, and I just love her so much, like as a person, as an author, all the things. And I feel like, I feel like her book is like her in the sense that you pick up on, like obviously she's concerned about what's going on in like our real world and in the world that she creates. But, like, the love also comes through. Like, I don't think Jocelyn will ever completely give up hope. And I, I feel that, like, as a person talking to her. Um, and so I would want you to have my Monticello. 
Oh, that's like a high, that's like incredibly high praise. That's a great recommendation. And I've like wanted to read it. I follow her on social media and I've like, I know the book is supposed to be beautiful. I've enjoyed like kind of following her on tour as well. Because your books came out around the same time, right? Yeah. I Um, mean, it's so interesting. Like saying, like his art teacher published a book like a few months before me. That's right. I forgot. I forgot that she was Tosa's teacher at one point. Um, I just really want to say I love what you said about hope as well. I feel like, um, I don't know, in the absence too of like answers or solutions, which I feel writers are sometimes pressured to supply, and especially this expectation that writers of color will like teach uh, in some way, like will instruct. I actually really feel as though being able to find a way forward that's mostly just about is there some kind of hope Hmm. or is there some way past this? You know, um, what is better than this, if not the best it can be? I don't know if I'm phrasing this well, but I really value writers who are honest uh, and thoughtful about, um, you know, what we can do, what's realistic, but also like, like you said, like, don't give up hope. Yeah. Um, my last recommendation too, I was trying to think of what would be like really entertaining and immersive. And so this book is, I also, I think probably read it. No, I read this book on book tour. Uh, it's Circe by Madeline Miller and it came out around the same time, at least the same year. We'll say the same year as my book. Um, and I read it on the plane and just fell in love with it. It's so beautifully told um and lyrical and uh I mean I loved her other book too as well the song of Achilles but um yeah Cersei's very very special to me so I've probably reread it like a million times really and when I was like far from home or like on a plane or just like you know in a hotel room by myself the like 30th hotel room and really tired and lonely um I wanted comfort reads. And so I found myself like rereading old favorites. And they were like, I had several in the rotation. um, But Cersei was like one of them that I would just kind of, I don't know, if I was anxious on the road, it was like what I would read. Um, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. I remember you listing that as a recommendation somewhere. And I like, again, anytime you mention something, my ears like perk up and I'm like, must go get. But now I don't have to get it because you're going to give it to me. (laughs) <laughs> on a metaphorical island. Um, so here I go a little bit religious on you, but first I want to share that. <laughs> I just have this image I thought you would, you would like, it would resonate with you. We stayed in a hotel recently and um, Toast pulled open the drawer and he was like, <laughs> why did they put a Bible in the drawer? <laughs> Which I feel like <laughs> it's like a fair question, right? Um, <laughs> why does it go in the drawer? Um But anyway, I know you and I both have like talked to Kate Bowler a little bit and I felt like I don't know what led you to this desert island, but I um, would send you a copy of Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved because I can sort of, you know, Kate has that like soothing voice and I could sort of hear her like narrating your time on this island, like especially if like you were stranded there and it wasn't like by choice and her being like, huh, well, this isn't how I thought life would go, you know? And, like, just being able to have, like, embrace what's terrible about this time for you, too. I thought she would be a helpful guide. I actually have a copy, and I have read almost all of it. Um, Ah. Yeah, she was kind enough to send it to me after we spoke. So, yeah. But, no, thank you for the recommendation. It is so hard to write about about those hard things, about the trauma, and about the things we can't change and wish we could. Um, But she does so with a lot of grace and, like, a lot of humor, um, uh-huh. which I know you must relate to because that's like, <laughs> it's something you do so well. Um, Thanks. but yeah, thank you for that recommendation. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think we should go like on an island vacation now, you know, just us and our stacks of books and our pints of ice cream. Yep. And some popcorn. Yep. I wanted to go back and and kind of revisit this, uh, like when you first started writing creative nonfiction and memoir, I feel as though so many people who write memoir, we sort of like fall into it. And like, I don't want to say it's an accident, but neither one of us set out to write it. And I, at least initially, and I've heard that from so many others, it's kind of just something about the genre maybe. So um, I don't know. I wonder if you could talk just a little bit more about like, why, like what it's brought you, what you really appreciate about about the form, um, because you do it so beautifully. And it's hard for me to believe you didn't just set out to do it because you seem like such a natural, uh, although I know it's also work. So. No, I know you know that. Um, I, I think just sort of this idea of like making meaning or art out of chaos really appeals to me. And, and maybe it's just because it's the way I sort of came into motherhood once, especially once Toast was born, you know, like that's my, uh, my son who I write a lot about in my book. Um, you know, it's not that my firstborn didn't have any challenges or illnesses, you know, she was born and had pneumonia right away, which is something I talk about, but it was still this place where like, I could still fit everything into sort of this template or this black and white of like, you get sick and then you get better. Or like myself, you have, you know, mental health issue, but you can go to therapy and take medication. Not easy, but but there's sort of something to do with it. And Toast really threw all that out the window. Like it, it really felt like he's amazing. And with all these appointments and tests that we were doing, like it was it was kind of chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like just the way that my mind works and like getting obsessed with like um, tensions or things that don't, these ideas that don't easily align or work themselves out or, um, you know, always questioning even my faith um, and what I believe to be true. Um, that's just sort of how I live my life. So I think maybe that's why memoir fits for me that's why like I would love to understand how people write I'm looking at Olga dies dreaming like I would love to (laughs) to be able to sit down and write something like that but uh but memoir just I think it's the way that I that I live or and personal essay it's sort of like the way that I live my life and make and make meaning of it and so I'll wrap this up but I've started to give myself a little bit more grace for those times where I don't feel so productive. Um, Mm -hmm. I have days where I'm just obsessed, like thinking about a thought, like I know there's something to this thing I'm thinking about, but you're trying to work out like if this thing has roots, if it's deep enough, can you make an essay out of it eventually? Can you make a book out of it? And just giving myself grace that that's like part of the process, you know? Um, for me, at least, it is. I mean, prob- I think it is no matter what t- type of writer you are, but I maybe especially when the when the materials your life, mm. um, you're literally always doing something that could lead to a story. Yeah. Um, I also think like we always do what we need to do to write, and sometimes that's writing, and sometimes it's really not. And I think that's true of all writers. That's so good. Um, I used to feel so guilty also when I wasn't being like productive, mm-hmm. especially like if it was like my one hour when I wasn't doing my day job or mm-hmm. taking care of parenting stuff and I was sitting there in front of my computer and I could not generate. 
ever yeah. feeling like this is just wasted and when am I going to get another mm-hmm. hour? Like so many times, especially when the kids were small, like I did not know when I was going to get another hour. Um, but I really, it was with the first book. I really had to learn to give myself a break and also understand that like sometimes often it was stepping away. It was like going for a walk yeah. or like letting myself rest mm-hmm. uh, or talking with a friend or like complaining to a friend, kind of how <laughs> I am now. Um, and like that was where the... I don't want to call it a breakthrough, but like that was where something would happen, an idea or just a like a new way of looking at something that I was writing that would help me see, oh, this is how I I get past this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is how we get over this part and on to the next. And over and over that's happened. It happens so much in my dreams now, which it never used to. Um, I love that. Like, it'll, I'll be like, wow, I'll be writing about this tomorrow. And like, I, I don't know. I think my subconscious has like gotten very busy as I've gotten older. Um, and as things have just sort of happened in my life, but I mean, I think it's significant that so often answers will come to me when I'm actually resting. Um, like, because that's, that's what my brain needs, what my body needs. That's like a whole book. Possibly, possibly. Um, I mean, you, like, you're going to need a third or a fourth, Nikki. Come on. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> well, you've got like, wait, okay, what can we talk about? Can you share like for 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 America, for me, what, what you're working, like however much you, you want to divulge about like what you're working on? I just turned in the second draft um, <laughs> of the next book. I'm going to want one more crack at it for sure. Okay. Uh, I, could, I could tell with, this was the first major revision and I can just... I know there's more to do, um, but but it felt good to like get it off my hands. Yeah. Partly because tomorrow's my birthday, and I did not what? want I did not want it. I know I did not want it hanging over me on my birthday. That's so, right. Um, yeah, I came straight to like this interview from that, and later have to work on my newsletter. But still, the uh. book, the book for for at least probably two weeks, the book is not my problem. It's my editor's problem. Got like bless. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the book deals with grief, and it's been, like, hard to write. And at the same time, during the revision, I was getting to these this stage of the process where I'm like, oh, I, I do like writing. Like, I like this mm. part um, where I'm trying to say something true yeah. and hope that there will be something there, too, for readers to hold on to. Um not in the sense of neat or tidy answers. I don't think that's how either of us writes right. or how either of us thinks. Like our brains don't work that way. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's been it's been like a good. Um, it's felt good, I guess, to work on it lately. At the same time, I don't ever really. Want, I'm not ready to let go of it. Um, hmm. Uh, part of me wants to be like, let's hang on to this for like five years, mm. and we can make it really good. Um, so. I don't know. Is there it's, like it's a like, word for that? You know, I feel like I feel there like there should be a word. Yeah, for like you can... anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I've if I've talked about this with you before. I mean, I think I've shared with you. I'm also an anxious person, mm-hmm. um, and definitely I've noticed like since the pandemic, since um, since things happened in my family and like with my parents, um, I've I just like I feel it much more in my body mm-hmm. than I used to. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, that's kind of new to me and it's sort of, it's definitely had an impact on like my writing practice, um, and how I've had to approach this book. So just like, it sounds very woo, but like what I genuinely need to produce to, to write is like, I need, sometimes I need breaks. Um, 
I need rest. I've been trying to like pay attention and take better care of myself um, as much as I can, which is always hard, especially like as a parent um, and a writer. (laughs) But I don't know actually how successful I've been at that, but I know that when I don't try at all, like the words, they don't come. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's been, it's been like a whole process too of realizing Um, like my therapist telling me, you know, the level of anxiety you experience, like it's not a typical level. I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I guess I've always been like a worrier. She's like, that's not quite what this is. And so having, yeah, that I think like, and I've known for now a couple of years now and I'm still sort of like getting used to, like, I didn't want to just take that information Mm -hmm. and, and not, um, not think about what it should mean, like for how I live and how I work. So, so honestly, good. too, reading your writing on anxiety has always, it's always meant a lot to me. Um, there have always been pieces I strongly related to, but like, you know, by the time I got to read your book, like the early copy, like I knew, oh, I'm a person living with anxiety mm. as well. Like it's different than yours because everybody's is, sure. but just like, I don't know, it just meant a lot to like read about your experiences kind of in a new light. Oh, thanks for sharing because... I think, you know, I know I've said this to you before, but you're just so, like, productive. And I think for me, that's something that, like, I want. Like, I'd like I'd like to be more productive sometimes. So it's just helpful to hear that, like, these are things you think about, too. You know, like, do you need to rest? Do you, you know, what does it mean to be productive? Um, what does it mean? Because, <laughs> you know, some of, like, my favorite authors wrote, like, one or two books. Yeah. And... I've had, I mean, I don't know, like, if my agent is listening to this, I don't really mean that I'm not going to write any more books, but I... <laughs> Just kidding! Like, it's occurred, it's occurred to me, like, how many, you know, how many do I think I've got? Yeah. Like, I, um, and I, I would like to write in other genres, and, like, I would love to write a novel uh-huh. someday if I can. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think that I'll be good at it, but, like, of course I'd like to yeah. try other things, but just, like, you know... I don't know what productivity means. And I think especially for writers these days with the emphasis on platforms Mm -hmm. and I mean, just the fact that if you're trying to make a living at it, you need to produce and like on the, and the counterweight is that so many things you have to do, not just to write a book, but to promote it, uh, to have it be in the world, the emotional labor that's Mm -hmm. involved. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a trade-off for sure. And I think like, it's wonderful to do work that you love and it takes so much energy. Um, there's so much beyond just the writing that, that has to happen. I'm kind of rambling, but no. I guess I'm working up to a question, which is like, yeah, like what does that mean to be productive and where where does that pressure come from apart from oh. the obvious ca- capitalism? But like where, <laughs> I don't know. When, when, you th- when you think about the pressure coming too from inside you, like uh. where... And what does that mean? I don't know how to answer that, but I will I will tell you this quick little story that um, I was able to see my therapist uh, maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago. And I have this recurring theme in my life. Like if there's a lie that's sort of going to come into my head and just sort of like keep knocking, it's going to be like, you're a failure, right? Like, let's just be, I'll be transparent. That probably won't surprise a lot of people if, you, if you've read any of my work, Um But I said something like that to my therapist, like, (laughs) this is what I'm struggling with. And uh, she, like, she's a mom, too, of, like, a toddler. And she, like, sort of threw her head back and laughed. Um, 
And that probably sounds absurd, like, if you weren't there, but it also was the most refreshing thing. <laughs> like, it's what I needed. Um, not to say, again, like, I'm a millionaire or billionaire or, like, whatever your measurement of success is. It's not that I've, I've written, like, a bestseller or, you know, I've written 10 books. Whatever that is, it was just, like, the fact that you would come in here <laughs> and say that after you've published this debut is, is like, absurd. <laughs> And I needed that. Um, and so I sort of have that image in my head when I get back to that place of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Did I do enough? Right? These are these are things that I'm probably going to have to wrestle with at least for some time to come. Um, but her, like she has this long red hair and her just sort of throwing her head back and laughing at me is is like a highlight of my life. That's great. Like also that would have been my reaction, as you know. <laughs> um no, that's, Thanks. that's, I don't know, like, that's just how to define, like, being productive, being successful. I feel yeah. like the goalposts are always moving. Mm -hmm. um, everyone has their own standard. And, you know, one thing it helps to remind myself of is that, like, it's really only, it's only useful if I think about, like, what I'm doing in terms of, like, what I want to do. Yeah. It's not like anybody else has the same set of goals. You know, nobody wants to write the same books that I want to write. Nobody wants yep. to, like, I don't know, like, write the same stories. And so just remembering that, I don't know, it, like, there's no standard to measure myself against except mm -hmm. whatever it is that I want to do as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I'm really lucky and really privileged that I have choices. I have some options. Yeah. It's not easy and it could all go away tomorrow and like writing supports me at the moment, but it might not next year. Um, you know, I'm very aware of kind of the, uh, I don't know, the precarity of it all. Yeah. I think like, okay, so after this, full disclosure, I have a meeting um, with Toast's, um team to like discuss sort of his latest testing. And I just feel like I don't want to like, get off of this uh, session without mentioning how important it's been to be able to talk to you just as, as a friend um, and just to be like, you know, IEP this, IEP that. Like sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's really sad news. Sometimes it's a shift or a transition. So um, as Toves gets closer to middle school, we're thinking again about school placement and support and what that looks like. And so I just feel like that would be a big part of our friendship um, like in relationship that would be missing if I didn't if I didn't at least just say thank you for that and it's really it's really helpful it's still sad sometimes for me but it's like really helpful to have a, a safe place to land with those feelings I mean always and thank you for like being the same for me um I feel like you're probably one of the people that I, I talked with a lot when like my daughter was younger and we were also going through this whole process of trying to figure out a diagnosis and like just get her the support that she needed. Um, mm. Like the number of times we've texted about school, <laughs> like so many mm. times. And for the record, I want to say I'm the friend that you mentioned in your book who always gets herself like a cheeseburger and fries after an IEP meeting. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, it's like, it's like, my husband and, and me, it's like our reward for getting through the annual yeah. review. Uh, it's like, okay, where are yep. we going for burgers? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why we started doing this, but like I'm worthless at, at the at, on a day of an IEP yep. meeting. Like pretty much I'm going to be like unable to focus for like the three or four hours mm -hmm. after. And um, we are also heading into like that season. So 
you know, the, the two-year anniversary of my mom's death is coming up soon. And last mm. year, for it, I couldn't imagine facing it anywhere but, like, the beach. And I couldn't imagine trying to mm. work or parent through it. So, like, we – the kids were doing virtual school. So we just told them they didn't have to go yeah. for the week. And we all packed up and went to a beach with the dog. Yeah. It was great. Um, <laughs> and this year, we've got the IEP annual review that week. Like, right. maybe the day of or the day after her anniversary. And then, like, also three school concerts and, like, another thing mm. and uh, a school visit. So there's, like, just, like, eight million yeah. things happening. And I'm, like, part of me has been, like, wow, okay, so it's only been two years. And, like, I don't know. But life moves forward. Like, this is the life yeah. I've chosen and the life I have and the life I love. And so, yeah. yes, a part of me would – would like to be able to focus like that week on my feelings and my mother. But um, I don't know, much like I would sometimes like to focus on my writing <laughs> and I'm not able to, yeah. you know, there are just these, yes. this is life. And I don't know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure like I'll ever like write about parts of it, but like I know that mm-hmm. every time I'm living, you know, every experience as a parent, it's, I don't know. It, it's probably also something that is good for my writing practice too. Yeah. Like every part of your life feeds it. That's what that's what memoir is. I like that. Nikki, that's like a golden quote. Like every part of your life feeds it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing, I think. Um, <laughs> and just negotiating the boundaries then of what you're actually going to say. That's right. About your very private life and the people in that's it. That's right. Was that something that was like hard for you with this book or did you already kind of know going in sort of where those boundaries were for you? Well, that's actually something that relates to you too, honestly. I, I feel like you, you'd written a draft at some point of maybe just an essay. I don't even know if it was for the book, but I, you just mentioned, you talked about sharing it with Dan, um, your spouse, and that just, uh, just stick, that, that stuck with me. Like, um, because, you know, like Paul's a busy person. He's got his own life. He's not like a writer per se. And so I don't think I would share everything because I felt like, do you really want to read this like sloppy six page draft, you know, before okay. it goes to... he does. Paul's your biggest fan. He, do- he does. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, he does. It's Paul and then it's me. <laughs> no, and I feel but... like he felt some kind of way if I didn't share it. And I'm thinking like, do you, like this isn't like in its best form. Do you really want to read this? You've got a billion things. Um, but he did want to read it. And so talking to you about that was helpful. Um, there aren't that many things where he'll be like, no, you shouldn't talk about this. But I do oh, feel yeah. like he's just got a little bit more distance um, and, you know, just kind of would let me know if it's not something he's ready to be published or maybe should ever be published. Um, I do think that's something I could, that I should always think about, though, is like, if I'm if I'm oversharing, right? Like that's, that's a, that's kind of a fine line. It can be. I didn't mean to imply, I think you like would overshare. It's just like, it's more like for you personally, like you have to be okay with whatever it is that's out there. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's sort of hard to grasp until publication. I mean, you know, intellectually, of course, this is going out into the world. It will be read by many people, but then like once it is and it's being reviewed and people are asking you questions at events and coming (laughs) up to you and like sharing and sometimes crying and sometimes giving advice and sometimes telling you, you know, like I just didn't get this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it's just a whole different thing once, and it's an, it's like such a privilege to have your work be read and engaged with at all, as you know, but like, I feel like there's almost no way to fully prepare yourself, no matter Uh what you say in your head. Um, I, I love every time you mention like Paul and just his approach to the book and like making you a whiteboard and all that stuff so you could work on it. Like I, 
my family is kind of perfect in that like they are willing to pretend that I am not a writer and I am not working on a book <laughs> if that's what I need at that point. Aww. Like it's fantastic. There's no there's no like how's the book going? One time yeah, one yeah. of my children asked me how it was going and there was just kind of this silence. <laughs> I, was, I was I was not mad but I was trying to think of like what to say that would be succinct and true and like not a rant. And then Dan was like Oh, like we usually don't ask about that. We wait until she says like how it's going. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, it's true. Um, but also, also like when I am, I'll get to a point where I, I am, and I'm starting to like I'll be sharing, you know, the draft with at least for sure the people mentioned in it and yeah. people wow. in my life, and it that's a really scary thing for mm-hmm. me. But it's such a necessary step. Um, so. I feel like perhaps with the second draft, I've run out of excuses and it's time to like start showing that to folks. Um, Well, I know that's scary, but it's exciting. I just, I remember like Julie mentioning like certain deadlines and, you know, we'll get Mm -hmm. this done and then this happens next. And sometimes for me, just like, you know, because it all starts in your head, just sort of having those things like on paper or being emailed through the publishing world (laughs) just made me feel like, oh, this this thing is actually going to happen, you know? It's like a runaway train publishing a book. <laughs> like you might, they, I, I'm, I'm not trying to like knock anyone at Catapult, certainly not Julie, but like they'll say things and they really mean them. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't want you to feel pressured. Just focus on the writing. <laughs> but like then you're hearing about all of these deadlines yeah. and like having, having worked for Catapult and for a book publisher and being kind of seeing how the sausage is made, I know how production deadlines are. And like, let's say something, it's just, it's just so hard sometimes to move things. Like there's a little bit of wiggle yeah. room and then like there's suddenly not. Yep. So, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not that anybody's not kind or understanding. It's just that like, you know, they build a season. They've got your book in a yeah. certain season. And so that means this ha- needs to happen by this day and this needs to happen oh. by this day. And you're still like emotionally <laughs> trying to brace yourself for like anybody else reading it. Um, yeah. I was... I was so nervous to even send it to Julie the first yes, time. Yes, yes. Even though Julie is perfect uh, and, like, so encouraging. And I knew she would be really kind about it. I was just, like – I was then very nervous again when I had to tell her, like, actually, that draft I sent you, um, I ended up restructuring the whole first half. So use this draft instead. Sorry. Um, I did that no, to her once, too. She was like, um, can yeah. you just let me know if you're going to be working on something after you send it to me? Yeah, she's so nice. Patient. Yeah, she's a saint. Um, but no, I mean, it just, I, I think that's hard too because you have to essentially start letting go of it before you're really yeah. ready sometimes. Um, and because it's personal work, you know, that can sometimes feel very fraught. Um, I, don't I think know. though, like what you said about it, like, I don't, and something that was said to me was like, it's, it's never going to be perfect, right? Or the, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect, it needs to be true. And, like, I can work with that, right? Like, even if truth sort of – some truths change over time, like, I can work – I can feel confident that, you know, what I'm working on now is truth, like, as as much as I can – as far as I can tell, you know? Yeah. That said, like, I'll still feel really torn once, like, galleys go out. Like, I'll be like – Yeah. I really – it's like I – I remember fantasizing about like climbing into people's windows and stealing their copies so that like they couldn't read them. <laughs> and yet like I would have been so devastated if nobody read it and like nobody yes. like shared a picture on Instagram. It's terrible. Right. Like just the, I don't know. My mind is like a weird place, but. 
I really like that comic though. Like if we could if we could find somebody like who who can draw to draw that, like you climbing in people's windows. Okay. That's so great. I, I'll look into it. That would be really fun. This feels like an SAT like essay question. Like compare and contrast. But like seriously with your second book, I don't know, like has it how has it been different? Like now that you know sort of what it's like? Um, like is it scarier knowing or yeah, it's scarier because the first time I was like, nobody will read this. Like, people will read it if they know me. I was honestly expecting yeah. – I was shocked um, by by the buzz, but I, mm. I still kept waiting for it to, like, fizzle out. And I hmm. – um, I don't know. I was really lucky. Like, I, I got to meet a lot of people, and I've gotten to hear from a yeah. lot of readers. And it's still, like, a little bit overwhelming. Like, I'm so grateful, but it's – it, I just wasn't really prepared because I was thinking of it as, uh, honestly, I kept telling people it's like kind of a small book. Um, that was, maybe I just huh. had to tell myself that to, to release it at all. Like I yeah, had to convince yeah. myself most people weren't going to read it. Uh-huh. Um, and sure, like actually, like if you, you know, statistically that bears out like most people in the world. That's right. <laughs> okay. But more people read it than I thought they would. And so yeah. a f- I was talking to a friend recently and she was like, watching you on your tour made me wonder if I could go on tour. And it yeah. wasn't like my tour was a negative experience. Like it wasn't. It was wonderful in many ways. Certain things about it were very difficult, but it was that was not because of like um, the tour itself. It was like uh, my father had just passed away. So mm-hmm. it was a really challenging time to be touring and talking about a book. Um but like for what it was, I really enjoyed it. It's just, um, she said, I, she went out with me after one of my events and she's like, the way you were during the event and then like the way you were after, like you were clearly happy, but like, it's like all the energy kind of just like leeches out of yep. me after an event, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was that over and over and over again huh. for months, like the constant adrenaline rushes and then like the, yep. the coming down part. Um, and the, I don't believe the human body or like my brain is meant to exist that way. Mm-hmm. So the thought yeah. of just doing all that again, um, again, like I will be extremely thankful. And at the same time, like I'm apprehensive about it because now this time around, I do know the cost and I know, yeah. I'll, I know that there will be moments that will be hard. I know I'll hear like some not great things. I, I know there'll be some microaggressions, you know, I mm. know, I don't know. For the most part, though, I'm sure it'll be, like, really positive. It's just, yeah, the thought of doing all that again is a lot. Um, So, and when you think about, like, well, how many books do I have in me? Honestly, like, when you, I don't know, it, I will just say, like, that's something else I think about. Like, how many, how many books can I go out there and promote? Or, like, how, how can I space it so that it's at least, you know, manageable um, for my home life as well, you know? No, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I had one last question, if that's okay. I mean, I wanted to know, especially with with every book or with every big project, I feel like you learn something about yourself. Mm. And um, I'm just curious, like, what, if anything, you might have learned while you were writing This Boy We Made? Um, Well, okay, so I'll do while I was writing and after, and I'll make them quick. But while I just realized how much I hold my son and our experiences in my body. And I might've told you this, but there were just times, there were days where I wrote one paragraph and couldn't write. And it wasn't that same sort of, you know, a lot of times I sit down and I'm like antsy, you know, I write a paragraph and I feel good and I get up. This was more like, there was more to say, but it like, 
I felt this heaviness in my body and I couldn't really, I just, it was almost like a day of grief or a day of mourning, sort of reliving some of the um, experiences we had, like, especially if I wrote about one of his seizures. Um, yeah. That's like re-traumatizing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I would say sort of after, um, it was a lot. It, it, you know, Julie warned me, she said something like, it's going to be a very heady experience, but remember sort of like the book lives on like it's not just about publication day or week um right and that's been that was really helpful advice and I learned for me I've got to like collect I think about like almost walking through like you know a garden or a forest or something and sort of like picking up like little things and holding them close to me is sort of how I think about this process so like Mm, I took pictures and kept them on my phone or like people would send me pictures of themselves with my book or like Kate Bowler who I know you've talked to sent me this little like one or two line like typewritten note like on a typewriter and like I just keep it near me so it's like those little things that are beautiful and don't have much to do with book numbers and things like that or lists that I try to like remember or at least keep nearby so then I can remind myself. That's really beautiful. I I mean, I know I was talking about how anxiety producing, I do find it like releasing work into the world. But I also, that's also why I write is for that moment where, yeah. you know, you tell the story and someone else is there with you in it. Yeah. And you're not alone with all of these thoughts and all of these um, experiences anymore. And then you can just, all you can hope to is that it is somehow useful to someone else or make someone else just feel less alone. Um, I really think that's kind of what it's all about, at least for me. I like that. I feel like we've had like three endings already, but maybe that was, maybe that was it. (laughs) Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm so glad that we got to do this. Thank you so much for agreeing to. Thanks for asking me. Oh, oh my gosh, I, I'm so I'm so happy it worked out. And thank you very much to Always Authors. Yes. And yeah, I know you and I will be talking like soon. Always. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about upcoming episodes, to read a transcript of this episode, to buy the books discussed here. And for more information about our sponsors, bookfinity.com and Buxton Books. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment. Cheers.